Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Chapel Messages podcast, a ministry of Emmaus Bible College. Each episode is taken from a chapel message given here at Emmaus. For more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. Good morning. It is not only a privilege for me to speak to you from God's Word, it's also actually a privilege, and I speak on behalf of the faculty to have you all here as students. It is a blessing to us to see your passion for the things of the Lord, to see you learn and grow. So all of these things add to our meaning and purpose as we serve the Lord here. So may the Lord bless each one of you in your desire to follow him. The, today's message, by with this, I hope to intend to conclude the series I began last fall on following Jesus or the imitation of Christ. At the beginning of his public ministry, we see the Lord Jesus, especially by the shores of Galilee, uh, giving out the invitation to the ones he called, saying, follow me. So we can relate to the idea of, idea of following Jesus, sort of very something very central, fundamental to what he himself called people to do. So calling uh, Peter and Andrew and John and James, he said, instead of catching fish, I will make you to catch men, fishers of men. And all of us share in that call to some degree to, by the grace of God, rescue, be part of God's rescue operation in getting people who are in the clutches of sin and death and bring them into life and freedom through the gospel. It's what a, what a wonderful privilege it is that God would share such a task with us. In the gospels, however, there are a few other interesting accounts about following Jesus. Uh, I'll review some of these just quickly uh, before moving on to the passages we'll focus on. There is, I, I think about this man. He's a non-Israelite in the region of Gerasa, which is part of the Decapolis uh, Gentile region to the east uh, of the land of Israel on the east side of the Jordan. Uh, you, you know the demoniac who had the legion. Uh, he was in a miserable state. Uh, afflicting himself, could not be chained and held down. And the Lord intentionally comes to where he is and sets him free. Sets him free of all of the demons that were afflicting him. But there's a, an interesting part of it at the end of it when the man turns to the Lord and says, I want to follow you. And the Lord says, no. I've been sort of surprised by this. Um, he wanted to follow him in the boat, and he said, no, instead go back to your people and declare to them what great things the Lord has done for you. There are ways to understand this. The Lord had chosen already 12 to accompany him all the time, and they were out of Israel. His, his mission was initially to the 12 tribes of Israel, and he was, they were traveling between those cities. And you could understand that the man of Gadara or Gerasa had his own particular mission where the Lord was now sending him. 
That, that's an interesting thing. Following Jesus, however, really is not merely to be in his company and say, be just a student. It's very much so, but there's more to following Jesus. We do value and appreciate really the, the loving, gracious, infinitely merciful reception that God extends to us through the gospel. He welcomes us. We come running from our misery as prodigals, and the Father comes out running to meet us, and we are happy to be in the Father's home. But following Jesus takes us a few steps beyond that. And I would like to follow and conclude this theme, point out uh, from the Gospels mainly, a few things attached to following Jesus. The first one is the necessity of it. So the gospel invitation is more than an invitation to trust. It is also an invitation to follow. In John's gospel, John 12, 25 and 26, the Lord Jesus speaks, says, whoever loses his life, whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. That's kind of provocative, isn't it? It's, it's challenging at least. If you love your life, you will lose it. If you hate your life in this world, you will keep it for eternity. What does that really mean? And then he says in the next statement, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And it comes with a blessing. If you will serve him if you follow him where he is you will be and if anyone serves me the father will honor him the gospel comes to us with a call that we should follow the lord jesus and it comes with some cost attached to it and it's the cost that i would like to speak about today there's some losing in order to gain and we'll see there is a dying needed in order to live. So every believer in Christ should follow him on the one hand. On the other hand, we have to follow him on his terms. Not, not my terms. Sometimes we come to the Lord saying, Lord, um, I am happy to do you a favor. And the Lord really will have none of it. Now, no favor from us. You are getting everything from him, but you follow him. I follow him on his terms, not ours. No bargains. He's not, he's not there to strike a bargain with me. No quid pro quo is here. It's, not, it's out of the political discourse now for a little bit. So what are his terms? There's an interesting passage in Matthew 8. A scribe came up to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. That's interesting, isn't it? We would say things like that. Um, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you would go. And the Lord Jesus says, 
That's a sort of an enigmatic saying of the Lord. Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Most of the time when preachers go to this passage, they kind of portray Jesus as a homeless person. I don't think that is the correct understanding. For one, he was not a homeless person. What he does mean is that you, you, if you are going to follow me, it is not going to be a pre-programmed following with, that follows your normal expectations. You do not know where it's going to lead. The Lord himself is headed to the cross. Not the comfortable, reassuring thing of returning to your hole as a fox or to nest as a bird on a daily basis. It's somewhat unpredictable. You must know, go where he takes you. You must follow him where you must go, where he directs. So, and this is probably the idea behind what he's saying to the scribe. And then another one says, Lord, let me first go bury my father. And he said, no, let somebody else do it. Let the dead bury their dead. You come follow me. And the last part of that is the focus here on following. When he got into the boats, his disciples followed him. So there is a call to follow, but we should... And we need to follow the Lord on his terms. Secondly, this part of it, part of following Jesus, his terms are that we should follow him in a worthy manner. We have a calling not only to follow the Lord and on his terms, but also to follow him in a worthy manner. What is worthy following? Several passages, passages, in the, in the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke speak of this, Matthew 10, 37. The Lord says, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Then verse 35 is the focus. I'll come to that later. Whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. The Lord says, there are some kinds of following. You might choose to follow me, but it ought to be worthy. What is worthy following? If you choose to follow me, the Lord says, I come first. Is that unreasonable? No, it is not unreasonable. Why is it not unreasonable? Because the Lord of heaven, who is your creator and savior, who gave his life for you, is greater than your father, greater than your mother, greater than your son, greater than your daughter, greater than your husband or wife, is greater than everything else. So you do not owe a greater loyalty to anyone else on earth than you would to the Lord Jesus. He comes first. If he doesn't come first, it is not a worthy following. I would like to tell you a story that you might relate to. Many, many years ago, a pair of parent whom I didn't know sent her daughter to me for counsel. They were not actually even in the church I was in, but she came and I made an appointment, met with her. The, the problem was this. She attended a Christian church, claimed to be a believer, uh, but she was dating an unbeliever and wanted to marry him. Somehow, I, the mother thought I could solve this problem for her. 
So I asked her, do you believe in the Lord Jesus? She said, yes, I would die for him. Exact words. But the Lord Jesus wasn't asking her to die for him. He was merely asking her to obey him in regard to this one thing he has told us. You can't pretend that you would do great things for the Lord. I can't pretend I will do amazing things in service to him when I am hesitant to obey even in a difficult matter that is before me now. No one who loves father or mother or son or daughter greater than him, more than you do him, is worthy of him. The Lord deserves first place in my life. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Let the Lord have the call about what you do, about your choices in every single respect of choice that you make in your life. So if anything else comes first, <laughs> and he goes on actually in the parallel passages speaking, even your own self, you cannot be self-protecting, self-indulging, self-mollycoddling, whatever other words you want to come up with, in a commitment to follow the Lord Jesus. It's probably what's the implication of foxes have holes and birds have nests. I should follow him on his own terms. And so a worthy following is that he has my supreme loyalty, and then he takes it one step further. He says, if you want to follow me, you should carry your cross and then come after me. What does that mean? Every Good Friday, it's coming up soon, you'll see it on TV, the Pope carries a wooden cross thing in the Colosseum in Rome to remind believers everywhere that the Lord Jesus did carry the cross on that day as he went to the place of crucifixion where he laid down his life for us. What does it mean when the Lord Jesus tells me that I should take my cross? Matthew 16, 24, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Very often we think about our cross in life as the trouble that we have to put up with, and we all have lots of those. You have some of those chronic things, persistent things, things that we don't like. Once a man, a preacher was preaching on carrying one's cross and his wife was sitting in the pew. She leaned to her friend and said, would you like to see my cross? She looked at her, I don't see a cross on your chain. She said, I'm not wearing it, I'm carrying it. Nothing on your back? No, she said, look ahead. I said, that cross has been there 
Since the church was built, you I don't know what you mean. No, silly, she said. Look behind the pulpit, it talks. <laughs> we often think that the, the people that we are bound to, especially in the bonds of marriage, are they sometimes turn out to be crosses we have to carry. You all choose carefully, pick the pick the light one. <laughs> <laughs> So we think they are the crosses that we have to carry. And um, that's not what the Lord Jesus means by it. It's not, it's not the, the person in your, your sibling who has been a pest since the day of your birth. That's not the cross in your life. Uh, it's not even... Uh, parents who may have annoying habits and you can't detach yourself from them, they're not your cross. I would like you to think about the cross. What does one do with the cross? You, in fact, you, the cross is generally inflicted upon you and the Lord Jesus is here saying, rather than it being imposed upon you, you should pick up a cross. And what has happened with the cross? You carry it to their destination, which is the place of crucifixion, and there you are nailed to it and you die. And that is what he says in verse 25 of Matthew 16. Whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. It is about losing your life in one way and finding it in another way. Or Luke 14 has the same great crowds accompanied him and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and doesn't hate his own father and mother and wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. I want to clarify this. When the Lord Jesus says, um, you should hate your father and mother, it's really sort of an idiomatic kind of speech that is in view of the great priority that you would give him, anything else would seem like hate. So it is really not true hate. Our Lord would not want us to hate our father or mother or brother or sister or son or daughter. Um, the law commands us to. In fact, he rebukes the Pharisees for creative ways in which they were avoiding their filial responsibility. Um, so the Lord is not talking about true hated. Compared to the first place that is given to him, everything else looks like hate. Or similar, like in Malachi at the beginning, Jacob I have loved, Esau I have hated. He's not really talking about true hated. He's talking about relative. Compared to the, the great favor I have shown the nation of Israel, this looks, the true judgment here looks like hate. So unless we hate our own life, the Lord says, we cannot be his disciples. And verse 27, as you have before you on the screen, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. What is this cross then I must bear? There's an old hymn that says, must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? 
says there is a cross for me. And I think that hymn writer actually, I looked at the verses, he understands the idea. My cross is that I must die to sin and live to Christ. My cross is my putting to death that I who in Adam is this person of sin and under the judgment of God, and that I must die. In fact, when we listen to the Apostle Paul, he will even take it further. So let's listen to both the Apostles, Peter and Paul today. Um, sort of I'm doing full circle, coming back to where we began in the first message in 1 Peter chapter 2. In 1 Peter 2, 24, Peter tells us that he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Jesus bore on his body our sins on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. I should carry my cross because that should be my death in regard to my sin. I should die to sin. Following the Lord Jesus, carrying my cross, then is for me to put sin indwelling in my body to death daily. On the one hand, we can, like the Apostle Paul in Galatians 2.20, say, I have been crucified with Christ. When Jesus died, I died. That's my death. I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of Man who loved me and gave himself for me. I have been crucified. But he also speaks elsewhere of putting to death the sin that is in our body. Reckoning ourselves dead to sin. And Jesus is calling you to do that. He says we should follow him on his terms. We must follow him. We should follow him on his terms. We should follow him with the utmost loyalty, first priority. He is the one we should listen to and obey. And we should follow him carrying our own cross to put to death the works of sin, to die to sin, and to live to righteousness. This is why I have been called to follow. This is the purpose with which you have been called to follow, to be God's children who bear witness to the life of God on this earth through the grace given to us and brought to us through the Lord Jesus. Let's pray. As we pray, I would ask you to ask yourself how or on what terms you are following the Lord. Is he merely a means to an end? Is he something in addition to other things that you give priority to life or is he the one to follow? And follow not only to ministry, follow not only to the mission field, but follow daily in obedience to his will. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we give you thanks for your son, 
who gave himself for our sake. There's nothing greater than this. He loved us and gave himself for our sake. And now he calls us to follow. Help us to follow. Help us to follow in a worthy manner. Help us to put him first. Help us to put to death all that is displeasing to you that is in us and with us. Give us the heart to please you in all things. Bless your people. Glorify your name in our midst. We ask in the name of the Lord Jesus for your glory. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Chapel Messages podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu partner.